Amen. What a message and song. Thank you, writer girls, for sharing, sisters, sharing a song with us this morning. Well, take out your Bible today with me and turn with me uh, to the book of 1 Peter, uh, 1 Peter chapter 1. Go ahead and find your place there. I'll join you in just a moment. 1 Peter chapter 1. And if you brought a copy of God's Word this morning, would you hold it up? How many of you brought your copy of God's Word this morning? Can I see it? How many of you? Hold it up high. All right. Some of you brought it on your cellular device. That's all right as well. But I'm glad that this morning you have a copy of God's Word. You know, this morning we believe this with all of our heart here at Catawba is that, that the Word of God is living and active. The Bible says when... Uh, we believe here, it's our conviction that when the Word of God is open, that God's voice is truly heard. And, and this morning, can I tell you just a moment that if you don't know this already, you can have great confidence in this book. Do you know why you can have confidence in the book that you've opened to this morning? Because it's why? Because it's God's Word. It's, it's His truth, and it's, it's truth for our life today. And, you know, the Bible tells us in the book of Romans, in Romans chapter 15, that whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and that through encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. And I'm just telling you today, that's what the world desperately needs. The world desperately needs God's hope. And so this morning, you've opened your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 1. Would you stand with me as we read from God's Word together, beginning in verse 3? We'll read all the way through almost the end of the chapter. Follow along with me in your copy of God's Word as I read in mine. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope. Here's my question. Have you experienced that? Have you experienced being born again to a living hope, that through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for the salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And though you do not now see Him, you believe in Him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Now, jump down with me to verse 24. For all flesh is like grass, and all of its glory is like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains for how long? Forever. And this is the word, this is the good news that was preached to you. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Would you pray with me? Father, we pray this morning that your spirit would take your word 
and apply it to our hearts. Lord, we pray that we would have ears that would hear and ears that would be attentive to, Lord, heed heed your word. Lord, may we consider um, our life in light of it. And we pray, Lord, for wisdom this morning and understanding in all that we'll study. We ask it in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. You can be seated. You know, I find that end of, of, of chapter 2 there where, where, where Peter is writing to the church and he says, hey, listen, if you have been born again to this glorious inheritance, this salvation that is in Christ, if you have experienced that, and listen, only you can answer that for you, whether or not there has been a time in your life where you have come to saving faith in Christ, where you literally were born again. You, you were passed from death to life and you, you, you were transferred out of that kingdom of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of his son and it happened by God's grace through faith. And, and for some of us, we can think back and remember that there was a time in our life when we've been born again. But notice, here's the connection that Peter makes and I think it's such a helpful connection that if we have truly been born again, if that reality has really taken place in the life of a person, then notice the result in chapter 2. The Bible says we will long for pure spiritual milk. There will be a longing and a a desire for it. A number of weeks ago, Jessica kind of surprised me with a little birthday getaway. And she swept me up after church on a Sunday and said, we're heading down to Hillsboro, North Carolina for a little birthday trip. And so we went away and had a nice little night and did some shopping and went through some old town antique stores and just did what we love to do. And so she took me to one of my, well, now is my favorite restaurant. And uh, it's in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. It's pretty far away. But uh, they have some of the best sushi rolls that I've ever had. Now, those of you that know me know that I love sushi, all right? But there was this one roll that was unlike any roll. I mean, it had everything in it. I'll I'll tell you the name of the roll. It was called the Sin City Roll, all right? So if, if you can just fill your imagination with what all kinds of delicious fish would have been packed into this roll. And since then, I, when I think about sushi, like all of my sushi restaurants in town are just like no longer any great. It's just, uh, they pair in comparison to what I've had. And I, and, I, and I find myself, when I think about sushi, I think back to that role and I long for it. We all long for things in life. Many of us long for food. Babies long for food. Isn't that what Peter's saying? Little infants, they long for milk and they're not satisfied until they get it. Now, here's the connection that Peter's making. He's saying that our Christian life, our longing for the word of God is a result of us being born again. And I wonder really if the reason why many of us do not hunger and long for the word of God as we ought to is because we've actually never been born again. You see, there's a connection in that, that that, that this result that has happened in the past has implications for the present. And notice, uh, you know, we should long for the true spiritual milk of the word. That's, That's what we should be in the body of Christ. Yet the statistics would bear out that the American church does not long for the word of God. And it's not the fact that there's there's a lack of Bibles. Actually, we're told that that the Bible, and you know this to be true, the Bible is more accessible now than at any point in history. 
I want you to just let that sink in a second. More, more, more than any church father before you, more than any Christian before you, there are more resources right now for you as an American in the 21st century to have the Bible literally at your fingertips. According to the American Bible Society, nine out of 10 households in America own a Bible. And actually more own, uh, own more than one. The average statistic is that people have three. Now, many of you in this room probably have more than the average. And yet, we have the Bible literally in print. We have it access in not just one translation. I go to other countries, and as I've been around the world in different places, and, and, and I've had the opportunity to, to even teach or preach in those languages, they had one copy of God's Word in their language. And you and I have hundreds of Bible versions and Bible translations in, in the English text. So I want you to think about just the tremendous access to the Bible. Some of you this morning held it up on your phone. You can scroll on it. You can open it in your iPad and underline it. You can listen to the Bible as you drive in the car. And yet, having access to the Bible doesn't mean that we will actually read it. When was the last time you read the Bible? Actually, when was the last time you read an entire book in the Bible? Or when was the last time that you read the entire Bible itself? You see, simply having a Bible is absolutely no value if we do not read it. The statistics of biblical illiteracy in America are alarming. I came across an article in my study by Dr. Albert Muller, he wrote an article entitled The Scandal of Biblical Illiteracy. It's a little long, but I think it will really help set the stage for what we're going to talk about. He says, researchers George Barnup, uh, George Gallup, and Jim Castelli put the problem squarely. Americans revere the Bible, but largely they do not read it. And because they do not read it, they have become a nation of biblical illiterates. How bad is it? Researchers tell us that it is far worse than most of us could imagine. Fewer than half adults can name the four Gospels. Many Christians can't identify more than two or three of the disciples. According to the data from the Barna Research, get this, 60% of Americans can't even name five of the Ten Commandments. They make the point, no wonder people break the Ten Commandments all the time. They do not know what they are. What's the bottom line? America is biblically illiterate. The article goes on to say multiple surveys reveal the problem in stark terms. According to 82%, get that, over 82% believe that God helps them who help themselves. And that born-again Christians are just a percentage better. 1%. A majority of adults think that the Bible teaches that the most important purpose in life is taking care of one's family. And some of the statistics are even enough to perplex even those that are aware of the problem. A Barna poll indicated that at least 12% of adults believe that Joan of Arc was Noah's wife. And another survey of graduating high school seniors revealed that over 50% of high school seniors think that Sodom and Gomorrah were husband and wife. A considerable number of respondents to the poll indicated that the Sermon on the Mount was preached by Billy Graham. 
And the article goes on to say, Christians who lack biblical knowledge are products of churches that have marginalized Bible knowledge. And then he makes this profound statement. We will not believe more than we know. We will not believe more than we know. And we will not live higher than our beliefs. He concludes the article by saying, this generation must get deadly serious about the problem of biblical illiteracy. Or a frightening number of American Christians included will go on thinking that Sodom and Gomorrah lived happily ever after. Let me ask you this question. That article, you can go find it online. January 20th of 2016 was the publication date. The article's over six years old. So here's my question. Over those last six years, do you think that biblical literacy in America has gotten better or worse? Well, aren't you encouraging? But I think you're honest. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8, notice what Jesus says. He says, if you, what's the next word? Do you find it online, guys? Matthew, John 8, John 8. Hmm? We'll all turn there. Here we go. Wait, no, that's there. That's there. It's right there. I can see it. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed on him, if you, say the next word, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Notice what he says in the next verse. And you will know the what? And the truth will set you free. You see, I think the reason why we see so many well-intentioned believers that are living such defeated and miserable lives is because they have simply neglected to embrace God's truth. Everybody in our generation today wants their own truth. Our generation today says, I have my truth, you have your truth, and your truth is not my truth, and my truth is not your truth. But those of us that want to live in our own version of whatever we think truth is, are living in bondage to ourselves. Because the Bible says Jesus himself, the author of life, says about your life that, notice, you will know the truth. And Jesus says, I am the truth, the way and the life. So knowing God's truth is what sets us free. Yet sadly, many of us, here's the problem, we live under false beliefs and false assumptions. We go through life based off of a distorted view of truth. We're living according to our truth and we're in bondage because we do not know the truth of God that would set us free. This is why A.W. Tozer says that what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And I think Tozer is right because what Tozer is understanding and, and recognizing is that the Bible answers and shapes all of the most fundamental questions about all of my life. It tells me who I am. It tells me who God is. It shows me how I can come to know him. And most importantly, the Bible is, it shows us why we need Jesus. Listen to me, the need in the church today, in our generation, is for biblical literacy. And I'm thankful, really, in a lot of ways, I'm thankful to be a part of a church that values the Bible. And I think believes the Bible. But I'll tell you, as a pastor, what really burdens my heart, what, I, what, what, um, 
what challenges me a lot is thinking about how are people learning the Bible for themselves? Not coming here to simply be taught, but do God's people know how to interact with God's Word and the Spirit of God is our teacher? You know, it challenges me when I think about that. Because the, our desire is that people would know God, that they would know His story. And so I don't think I'm surprising you by telling you that our church values biblical literacy, but it is certainly something that we have to work towards in a greater way. Oh, we've been working through our values as a church, and we've been considering some core values. This is really what makes Kataba Kataba. We've considered so far a gospel centrality. We considered uh, last, well, two weeks ago, as Pastor Stephen preached, um, gospel centrality, and then the next, help me here, kingdom mentality, thank you. And then this morning, we're looking at a biblical literacy. Would you say this with me? The Bible is for everyone. Through the living word, we learn of God and his story, which equips us for every good work. This is, this is our aim. This is what we value. The Bible is for everyone. Do you realize there has been moments in church history where the Bible had not been made accessible to everyone? Actually, do you realize that there are still places around the world where the Bible is not accessible to everyone? And that should drive our church in missions. Our church should be driven to these unreached people groups, to these places, these nations, these ethnicities that don't have access to the Bible. And my goodness, you have access to hundreds of different translations. But that through the living word, we learn about God, we learn about his story, and it equips us for every good work. I have a quote that i like to share with you. I appreciate so much what author Jen Wilkins says on this topic of biblical literacy. She says, Bible literacy occurs when a person has access to a Bible in a language he or she understands and is steadily moving towards knowledge and understanding of the text. If it is true that the character and will of God are proclaimed in Scripture, then any serious attempt to become equipped for the work of discipleship must include a desire to build Bible literacy. Bible literacy stitches patchwork knowledge into a seamless garment of understanding. Now, I don't know if you've ever thought about it like this before, but that Bible that you hold in your hand this morning, can I see it again? This is God's Word for you. And God wants you to understand His Word. The goal of Biblical literacy is not to learn a whole bunch of facts about the Bible. It's, it doesn't happen when you come to this place and you learn about the Bible. Biblical literacy is, is when you understand the story of Scripture and what God is communicating to us in every page of this book and that we understand it so that we can live it. Because the end of biblical literacy is not to just learn a whole bunch of facts about the Bible. Man, there's a lot of people that know a lot about the Bible, but it sure hasn't changed their life. So the point is that we, that we interact with Scripture in such a way that we understand what God is saying and, and we understand how that should shape the way I live. 
Listen, how, how do we see biblical literacy playing out here at Catawba? Let me just give you a few ways that I think you can see this, and, and certainly this is not everything, but, but, but this is why we value these things in such a certain way. We, we, we value biblical literacy through the public, congregational, responsive reading of God's Word. We do that nearly every Sunday morning. And why? The Bible literally commands it. Paul says, give heed to the public reading of Scripture. So, so when we read the passage on a Sunday morning, we're, we're learning and, and working through portions of the Bible together as a church, that, 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 that we're understanding the Word of God in a congregational way. This, this is demonstrated through the faithful uh, preaching of God's Word. I, I so appreciated Matt being here last week and opening up the Bible with us and, and sharing God's Word for us, and he just did a fantastic job, didn't he? But we value that here at Catawba, the faithful preaching of God's word and the faithful teaching of God's word. We see biblical literacy through studying the Bible in community. How many of you are a part of a life group? Can I see your hand? All right. How many of you still need to get a part of a life group? Can I see your hand? All right, now you know. All right, so find one. But, 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 but we believe that when we gather together in community to study the word of God, we are challenging one another in terms of biblical literacy. Our church provides catalysts on Saturday mornings. These are intentional. These aren't haphazard. We, we do so so that, so that why? So that areas of theology, points of the Bible that sometimes may be challenging, it gets connected to everyday life. It's what led us to start a podcast last year because, because what really burdened us, the three of us that started, is that emotion and apathy and ignorance and all these things have actually become the informants of our faith rather than the rock-solid truth of God's Word. And so my desire more than anything else is that if people listen to that podcast, they're, they're struck with how great the Bible is and the hope that it brings. And those are not the only ways we can see this happening in our church. I know there are others but I'm telling you, biblical literacy matters. What you have in your Bible this morning, hold it up again. This, 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 this is for you. God's given this word for you so that it could change your life and transform your life. The Bible was given to us, the living word of God was given to us so that we can encounter God in our own personal life and be transformed by it. You're saying this morning, you're here, and, and, and listen, the, the, the statistics of biblical illiteracy are alarming. So here's what I want you to do before you leave this morning is just challenge you on three simple ways of why does it matter? Why does it matter that our generation gets this right? Why does it matter? Let me give you three things briefly if you're taking notes this morning. Why does it matter? Because without biblical literacy, how can I know God? How do I know God if I don't know His Word? God's Word was given so that I might know Him better, that I might develop that relationship with Him more fully and worship Him more fully. But if I don't know the Bible, then I don't know God. And how are we to worship someone that we do not know? How are we to worship someone we do not love if we, if we don't read the Bible and understand what makes God so lovely? 
It's not that someone can recite some facts about who God is and all the things that he can do, but, but it's actually in those moments when we read the word of God and the word of God reads us and it's, like that, it's just like that dagger that pierces into our soul and, and as I read the word of God, the Bible reads me and, 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 and as, I, as, I, as I yield myself to the truth of God's word and as I just allow God's truth to begin to inform my thinking, it sets me free. How many of you have experienced real freedom in life through the truth of the Bible? Can I see your hand? And how many of you know what, what it's like when you've been struggling in such a profound way or you've been wrestling in some sinful behavior or whatever it is and, and after a period of time, the water of God's word washed over your soul and, and the truth of God's word began to illuminate some false beliefs or faulty assumptions that you had made either about God or yourself or about someone else and the truth of God's word set you free. Why do people say the church in America looks a mile wide and an inch deep? Because there's no biblical literacy. How can we know God deeply if we just don't even read his word? So secondly, notice first, it matters. It matters because this is how I know God. But secondly, it matters because without it, the Christian life is unstable. It's unstable. Paul says in Ephesians 4 that we may be no longer children tossed to and fro by the waves carried about with every wind of doctrine by human cunning and by craftiness and deceitful seams. You see what he's saying? He says, man, don't, don't be that way because notice what happens that, 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 that when we don't know the Bible, when we don't know God, It just creates this breeding ground for false belief and for humanistic theology just to grow. Because if we do not know truth, then what happens? Our life is unstable. We begin to believe things that are no longer true because because it's not that maybe we don't have an intention to know it, but 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 we're ignorant of what we don't know. And so it sounds good. It looks appealing. We see something that happens by it and we say, well, that must be truth. But we've never held it up against the standard of truth, which is the word of God. And so if we notice, if, if, if we don't have biblical literacy, then how can we know God? Secondly, our Christian life is unstable. But thirdly, I think the future of the church depends on it. It was Ronald Reagan in a speech in 1967. He said, one of the most memorable lines of his career, he says, freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. And you know what? I thought about that. And so true is that, that so is the church of Jesus Christ. We are one generation away from apostasy. The Bible says that in the end, there'll be a great falling away. But the future of the church, the hope of the gospel depends on people knowing the truth of it. Knowing the truth of it. So can I ask you this morning, when you think about biblical literacy, what do you think about? The Bible says that we need to do our best to present ourselves to God as one approved. Would God call you approved this morning? 
Would God say that you're an approved worker that needs not be ashamed? Or, or rather, have you been a Christian your whole life? Or a long time, I should say that. Have you been a Christian for a long time? And yet, really, it's kind of a shaming because, because you don't actually know the truth of God's Word like you ought to. And, and this morning, I, I, I want to encourage you because what, what I don't want you to hear this morning is simply this. The pastor says, I need to go read my Bible. That might be the best thing for you today is to go read your Bible. But I don't just go read the Bible to read the Bible. I read the Bible so I meet with God. And I yield myself to the truth of the Bible so that the Spirit of God changes me. I'm going to end with one verse this morning, and you all know it. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Paul says, But as for you, continue in what you've learned, and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned it, and how from a child you have been acquainted with the sacred writings that, that are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ. All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable. It matters. It matters for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every work. Would you guys go back to the slide on biblical literacy? Biblical literacy is what? We believe that the Bible is for everyone. That through the living word, we learn of God and his story, which equips us for every good work. It means the Christian is if you remember the old King James, the archaic King James, is fully furnished for all good works. It's the picture of the Christian that's well prepared. They're, they're able to handle life's pressures. They're, they're prepared for the journey that God is taking them on because they're well equipped and they know truth. How many of you remember the old... Uh, the old uh, computer game that came out on the Windows 95, I think it was, Oregon Trail. Anybody remember Oregon Trail? Oh, dude, that was all of our generation, my age generation, that was the stuff. And if you didn't play that game, you missed out. You can probably go find an old copy somewhere. But, but the whole point was you were heading out west on this voyage. You had to make it from like someplace on the east coast all the way out to Oregon, and you had to take the Oregon Trail. And I'm telling you, it didn't happen overnight, man. This was a journey. This was a process. This was a period of time. But man, if you were going to make it the distance, you had to be equipped. You had to be prepared. And so you'd save up all this money and you'd go out hunting and you'd go hunting all these animals so you could take them to the store and cash it in to buy some stuff for your wagon. And you start out fitting your wagon with good old wheels and a big box of flour and sugar and all. Because if you didn't, man, you didn't make the distance. And that word is kind of that picture of just a, a wagon that's well equipped. And I wonder in life the reason why we look and we see people that have professed to know Christ, but they didn't make it the distance. Might be because they were never born again. Jesus, remember how he talks about there will be some that grow up, but then the thorns choke it out, others that are by the rocky soil, but there are some that, that the Word of God finds good soil in our hearts. And we heed it and obey it and we're well equipped to make the journey of life.
And that's what God, really His desire is for each one of you. That you would be a Christian that's not unstable. You'd be a Christian that loves God and knows God and, and, and you're concerned about the next generation. And when I read those statistics about biblical illiteracy, man, it should break your heart. Because people in our country don't know God. And they have an image or an ideal of what Christianity is, but it's not the truth of the Bible. It's not the hope of Christ for the world. And if we're really concerned about it, we'll realize, no, the future of the next generation rests on knowing the truth of God's word. And so, Lord, I want to know your word. I want to know your word so I can live life the way that would be honoring and pleasing to you. But, God, I want to know your word so I make an impact in the next generation for the sake of Christ. Because we're a church that's concerned about biblical literacy. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, Lord, we look to you this morning because we're thankful that you have given us really a wealth of of not just knowledge, but Lord, you say in your word that you give us wisdom. That we would be able to take this truth that we've been given and by your spirit, we're able to apply it in our life. And we're able to live effectively. Lord, my concern is for, Lord, our church to know truth. Lord, I pray that we would not be apathetic or neglecting your word. Lord, maybe we need to think about whether or not we're even born again. Because if we're born again, there's a desire for it. There's a longing for it. Maybe this morning there's something in our life that's impeding that desire. And we're living life the way that would be apart from you. And and Lord, we have no desire for you in moments like that. But God, we believe that your truth this morning is powerful enough to set us free. And so we ask God for your spirit to be at work, not just in this place, but Lord, I pray right now in each of these seats and in each of these lives that Lord, we would think about how much we know about your word and how much of it has really shaped our life. God, we're, it, we're, 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 in, we're in need of your mercy and grace this morning. And so we just are just going to commit this time uh, to you as we respond to how you have worked in our hearts today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? We're going to sing a, a hymn that's all about that my, my hope is in Christ alone. And as we sing this morning, maybe God's moving on your heart to respond in a very specific way. What did the Spirit of God say to you this morning as you read His Word? And what's the next step that God's wanting you to take this week, today, to know Him better? To grow in that relationship and, to, and so that you know how to pass that, share that to somebody else. You know, there's some people this morning that have put a prayer card in. They've asked for us to pray for them. Would you come and pray for those that have requested prayer this morning? Or maybe God wants you to take a new step. Maybe this morning you need to trust the Lord for salvation. Maybe you need to be baptized. Whatever God's doing in your life this morning, this is an opportunity. It's time for you to respond as we sing out in worship this morning. Let's lift up our voice as we sing.